This is the Going the Distance Podcast. Dude, I'm telling you, when I'm driving a fucking Porsche and living on a yacht, you're gonna be like, oh, I wish I got him in the top guy. You had two picks on two defensive possessions in a row, and you don't win the field position battle? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This is a fun show. <laughs> yeah, this is fun. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Going the Distance podcast. My name is Ryan Bennell, and alongside me is Elijah Spans. We've got a great episode planned for today. It's our first time finally being live on both Twitch and YouTube. So go ahead and make sure you check out our channels on there, or you can also listen to recorded versions of the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Check out our website, www.gtdsports.com, where you can find all of our content. You can see the link down below. Our camera's right there. Make sure you follow our personal accounts. I'm at RyanBennell8, and Elijah is at Elijah Spans. And last but not least, subscribe to our GTD Sports newsletter for email notifications on all podcasts and whatnot. So, yeah, good to be back for another week. Elijah, how are we feeling? Pretty good, pretty good. I had a nice little vacation. I understand you had a nice little vacation yourself. A little bit, yeah. And uh, you went to NOLA, right? Yeah, New Orleans. How's that? It was it was an interesting experience to say the least. I uh, I learned that Bourbon Street has absolutely no laws when it comes to anything you can think of. That's awesome. Yeah, like That's the awesome. first first five minutes we pulled up, we just see a homeless dude getting a haircut on the sidewalk, just middle of the sidewalk. It was <laughs> sick. Anything else fun or, or like uh, about Nola you'd like to share with the world? Uh, well, I mean, like I said, there's no rules. Uh, I mean, they don't. They don't care. I mean, I don't know how much I can say, but you can just imagine what goes down in New Orleans on Bourbon Street. Uh, it was it was a fun time to say the least. Yeah, that's sick. I've always wanted to go to Bourbon, or I've always wanted to go to Nola and hit up Bourbon Street and all that, but I've just never never had the opportunity. But, it's fun. I've I went yeah. for uh, for Mardi Gras actually a couple years ago, my freshman year, and dude, it was like crazy. Oh, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure that was a party. Yeah, but uh, where'd you go? You went to Austin, right? Yeah, I went to Austin, dude, and it made me, oh, man, 6th Street's such a blast. I was at Aquarium for most of the thing. So at Aquarium on 6th Street, it's pretty, uh, it's popular because, like, two things. One, it has a, has a, uh, it sells fish bowls. It's oh, like, yeah. Yeah, it sells, like, these big fish bowl drinks, and they also have, like, Aquarium of Fish behind the bar, which is cool. And then they also have, like, a really big slide that goes from the second level of the bar down to the first level. And I went down that slide probably like way more times than I should have when I was really drunk. And so six streets, a blast. And, um, Oh, and two, when I left the bar, you know, those lime scooters that are in Austin everywhere. Yeah. Like literally everywhere. So I, I like, I guess I lost my friend group. I didn't know what got separated. So I thought it'd be a great idea just to get on one of those lime scooters and just whip around. And I think I whipped around for like an hour and a half after I left the bars. Dude, I mean, what, it probably cost you like a dollar though to ride that thing for an hour. Uh, I think it was, it, no, they're actually kind of expensive. Really? I thought it was like a dollar for just to hop on it or something like that. Nah, you gotta like, they charge like per minute or something. I think it's like an initial fee and then like 35 cents per minute or some shit. I can't oh, remember that. Yeah, but, I haven't wrote, rid one of those in a while, dude. Fort Worth doesn't have shit like that. Yeah, but it was really fun. I also busted ass on it when I was really drunk, but I just got <laughs> right up. And then that was about it. But it made me really excited to move to Austin when I graduate. So I'm like ready now. Yeah. Do you know like where in Austin are you going to be more in like downtown or like kind of on nah, the outskirts? I'm going to be living in like 
I'm looking at South Austin right now. Okay. In that area, maybe Riverside. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure yet. I got to get closer because I still have until July until I finish my degree. So, how's but, Rob Hunt looking? Um, fuck. It's like so. I I applied to a bunch of places about a month ago, and I got like three callbacks. But like they wanted to hire me right away, and so it's it's I kind of slowed it down until this summer. And then I'm going to pick it back up again because like all these places in Austin want to hire me right away. Like all these places are urgently hiring. Ooh, big shot, big shot. Yeah. Well, nah, not, I'm just kidding, not I'm just me kidding. specifically, but like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I'm not really worried about it. Austin's a popping off is popping off right now. So I'm, I'm sure I'll find a job somewhere. Yeah, definitely. So we'll see. I mean, too, there's just a lot of, a lot of people are moving to Austin to begin like in general too, right now. Oh, and it's such a young person's town too. And I was there, I was like, Oh, like, Cause I've been kind of like low key freaking out about like, Oh shit. Like it's going to be life after college. Like what's it going to be like? Dude. But then I just, I realized when I went there, I'm like, Oh, it's going to be like literally about a million other people like me when I moved to Austin is like all these. That's like, true. It is very yeah. young. Yeah. So like I, all my fears went out the window. So I'm just, pure excitement right now ready to start making real money real big boy money and then we can yeah. throw big boy bets on there without feeling without shitty. worrying about it yeah, yeah 500, well, 500 yeah. well you know as much 500 credit won't be the end of the world yeah responsibly that's the key responsibly, responsibly. for sure yeah <laughs> yeah but anyway i want to start this episode off kind of how we did last week i feel like it went well with the would you rather questions that was kind of fun to get into so I have one put together right now, and this I kind of put this question together for you specifically because I know how you feel about this man. So yeah. would you rather your favorite team, whatever sport it is, so say for you Dallas Cowboys, okay? So would you rather your favorite team relocate to somewhere completely irrelevant to your life, like London, like where you're never going to see them again, something like that, or – would you rather your favorite team be sold to the Washington football team owner, Dan Snyder? Yeah, so the first option, 100%. Because <laughs> so most of the games, except for one like every two years or one once a year, I'm going to watch on TV. So I'm not going to, you know, I'm not really going to go to the games. And if the Cowboys move to London, you know, in this hypothetical situation, then I can make a trip out of it and it could be really fun. I get yeah, to go to true. London for it. So, and, but like, if Dan Snyder would own the team, we would suck forever, and I'd fucking hate them. So, what if that's an easy choice? Right. What if you had like season tickets, okay, and then they move, right? What like well, let's they, add that to the equation. Then I could probably sell off my season tickets. Okay, well, fucking. <laughs> I guess it's an e- I guess it's an easy choice for you. Yeah, I mean, I, I could, don't know because then I could make it. I could. You know, either A, it's off to the team, or B, like, you know, it, I could make a really fun trip out of it. Like, why not? That'd be cool. Okay, here we go. It'd be a dope excuse to go to Europe. Follow-up, would you rather question. Would you rather your team be sold to Dan Snyder or the McNair family? Oh, fuck. <laughs> See, that's <laughs> tough. That's tough. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I could. I'm pick. trying to think who's who's less scummy, but like, I, I guess think I'd McNair, probably go with the McNair family. The McNair family is a little bit less scummy than Dan it's Snyder. Like a collective, at least. Well, the McNair family—they're just letting 
uh, a guy run it just because he talks about God like every other sentence. Yeah. You know, they're just letting Jackie's to be run the show. They've also had some not great comments in the past about like inmates running the prison and all that. <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, I mean, um, Dan Snyder's had his fair share of things. But Dan Snyder's also had some real legit like uh, he should be like persecuted maybe possibly. <laughs> so I don't know. Pick your poison on that one. Yeah, I think I would go with the McNair family, but that's really just a, like you said, pick your poison. All right, what you got for me, though? I'm curious. All right, so would you rather work PR for a team that's still in the European Super League, or would you like to work PR? Would you rather work PR for the Las Vegas Raiders, who recently had that tweet of, oh, I can breathe? Yikes. <laughs> that's tough choice. That's tough. Okay, so for those of you that don't know, Oakland Raiders recently put out a tweet after the Derek Chauvin trial broke, like the news oh, broke. Can you pull it up? Yeah, yeah, I'll pull it up real quick. It's it's really funny, so. It's pretty tone deaf. It's yeah, like, well, I mean, it's not funny, okay, because, like, the situation isn't funny, but it's literally just funny how bad of a tweet it is or, like, how bad of an idea it was. Yeah. All right, here we go. I got it. Here we go. So as you can see here, <laughs> the Raiders put out, I can breathe. And they the won't day. delete it. Yeah. They refuse to delete it too, because uh, the owner, Mark Davis, you know, took responsibility for it. You know, I'll let you talk about this. You wrote a blog about it. Yeah. So Mark Davis, he's, he's a, if y'all don't know anything about him, he's a pretty weird dude here. He's the one who has the bowl cut. He's had, he's rocked the bowl cut for forever now. Um, the pro they did a profile on him in like 2015 and at that point in 2015 I don't know if he's still doing this but he was using a 2003 Nokia phone that has according to him full texting capabilities um, he still <laughs> he still drives a 1997 Dodge minivan the caravan minivan um, he's also just he's just a strange guy like he's pretty irreverent like this like when I saw that, like, it's pretty on brand for him. Like he might be like, there's a couple of screws loose. He's not normal. And so like, this is kind of, and it's, and I don't think he's racist or he doesn't really, he doesn't really understand what he's doing when he's, when he's saying this, which kind of makes it funny, but like, um, cause he doesn't understand the brevity of his comments. Yeah. See, <laughs> he's just, he's a, fu he's like, just look at him. I mean, like he's like when your when your grandparents first go senile and they're just loopy for that last like you know five ten years or whatever. That's just, <laughs> but that's just him, dude. Okay, whoa, look at it. Whoa, what? What is this? That's his wife. That's his wife. What is she doing with him? Well, I mean, he's rich. He's the owner of the Raiders. Shit, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But bro. Just look at that. How do you have that haircut I by choice? I guess that's his a new wife. When I was doing research on him, and that when that piece came out, he was still a bachelor in 2015, and he's like 60. Oh, bachelor! Yeah, big guy. Yeah. I bet he was slaying all the puss. Oh my god. Um, so yeah, wh wh who would you rather work for at this point? <laughs> Moving on. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, shit, that's tough. I don't know. I'd say probably if we're if we're talking about compared to the Raiders PR or Super League team. I'd probably rather work for the Raiders PR because, I mean, like, sure, it was a terrible, terrible take, but 
like it still had the good like the right intentions behind it i would say and i mean even the george floyd's family came out and supported the team uh like with their intentions and whatnot oh but yeah yeah like you said i just uh, think it's mark davis being a weird dude like i don't yeah he doesn't I really don't get it he he just he, i don't know he just missed he missed he missed a lot of stuff in yeah his life. I don't um know. But no, yeah, because he the reason the whole reason why I made that statement was because uh, his brother said that we can finally feel like they can breathe now after the verdict, and then that's why I said that. And then I think it was today, like I just read before we came on, that his brother George Floyd's brother said like, "Oh, we support the Raiders and what they did." Yeah, it was pretty recent, like right before I recorded even. Yeah. So. Yeah, overall, not the worst thing to happen. But if I'm picking my poison between the two, I want absolutely nothing to do with the Euro- European Super League, which we will get into that in a sec. But first, I want to talk about something that went down this weekend. One of the biggest pay-per-view events in a long time. I didn't get to watch it live, but I saw it all go down. Jake Paul versus Ben Askren. I'm upset. I don't even want to talk about it, but here we are. Fuck you. I know what you're going to say. Go ahead. I told you. Fuck you. <laughs> I told you. I told you. Dude, I, I cannot believe that shit, bro. Dude, I mean, you see him at the weigh-in just looking like a substitute teacher. I mean, like, he's... That's what Ben Askren looks like. That was pretty bad. That's what I he looks know. like. Hold on. I got I got something. Yeah, but pull up, pull up in his fighting career because I want to see because the weigh-in was pretty bad. No, nah, I got something even better. I'm pulling up. I'm going to show you a video, right? And you're going to be like, oh, my God. This is the most rigged shit I've ever seen in my life, right? Like, obviously. God damn it. Why does Ben Askren tweet so much? He, I don't know. But that fight was also, like, kind of a sham. I got to watch, like, the leaked version right after it happened. But I was still, honestly, I was pretty drunk. But it looked pretty soft. It was pretty soft. From what I remember, it looked pretty soft. And it's just kind of like, I don't know. He was there for the paycheck. You he know, was like, there for the paycheck. He like, he look, didn't give a shit. So here's one one aspect I wanted to bring up. So it's like this. There's a video. This is a picture of it. But there's a video of him walking in the locker room after the fight, just fucking having a grand old time, smiling, laughing with his wife. You know, I mean, why wouldn't you, dude? You just made like over a million dollars for two minutes worth of exercise. Like, I, I mean, I would be ecstatic. But this is what I wanted to show you right here. Okay, look at this. Yeah. This is what, yeah, Ben. Okay, so for those not watching the live version, this is Ben Askren taking an absolute beating against Robbie Lawler in the UFC. And guess what? Ben Askren went on to win this fight, bro. Oh my god! I mean, like, that's almost to the point where you get it called off. Exactly. Like he went on to win the fight. So it's like, my thing is, you're telling me he took that kind of beating in the UFC, like regularly regularly and then all of a sudden one jab from the right hand of jake paul and he's out really well didn't he didn't he say like he still felt like uh like he could kept going but then yeah called it off he's like whatever yeah so in the post-fight interview like i i don't have the exact clip ready to be pulled up but he said that um he was like i mean yeah i thought it could have been or could have kept going like he said he stood up he got rocked um, he put the gloves in the ref's hand and said, hey, I'm good to go. And the ref said, are you sure you're good to go? And he goes, yeah, I'm good. Let's do it. And then the ref said, no, you're not. And then just, and then Ben said, I mean, he's the ref. He's in charge. I can't really argue with him, but I don't, I don't know. They made their money. This is like, 
Well, it's not even a real fight. Isn't it like a, a quote-unquote exhibition? Yeah, that's what they said. But So, so Jake Paul's Jake not even Paul. a real boxer at this point until he fights it because he hasn't fought a real fight. I mean, like he fought. You're right. He fought the. He fought like KSI or who's the YouTuber? KSI, like? KSI's little brother, Deji. Yeah, he fought. So he fought Deji. He fought um, freaking Nate Robinson, which was an embarrassment on yeah. Nate Robinson's part. He didn't even look like he knew what a punch was. Yeah, that was then, bad, dude. He fought the ghost of Ben Aspen, who was just there for for a paycheck. So I mean, all this hype and all this like pre-draft or pre-fight like BS that they had going on, like was just all for show. And so, um, literally, so Jake Paul. I mean, like, good for Jake Paul for getting this. Like, I think it's hilarious how you can just make money by being the villain and doing this. But at some point, like, if he does this again, then nobody's gonna buy his fifth fight. That's true. I mean, yeah, I don't know how long this can last per se, because like you said, he hasn't fought a real fighter yet. He did call out after the fight, like immediately after the fight, his first call out was uh, Tommy Fury, which I'm sure you've heard of Tyson Fury, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like one of the best boxers on the planet, heavyweight world champion. Um, So Tommy Fury is Tyson's nephew. And He happened to be, this is like weird timing for me because me and my girlfriend just finished watching Love Island and Tommy Fury was on Love Island, the, like the UK reality show. Anyway, it's, it's good show. It's my guilty pleasure, but (laughs) it's fucking good, bro. I'm telling you, it's so good. But Tommy Fury was on Love Island and he was like having to train like the whole time he was there. Um, so he's a professional boxer too. And that's who Jake called out was like, Oh, Tommy, your girlfriend from love Island was DMing me, yada, yada, trying to get him to fight him. But then I saw a video of him calling out Canelo Alvarez, bro. Oh, he get rocked. Canelo Alvarez, bro. Like, no, not a chance. Um, I don't know. I think, I think he should, whoever he fights, he should fight a real boxer. Somebody who's like a, in the sport of boxing and not, not a UFC who's uh, a, a former UFC fighter whose main go at it was wrestling. Or yeah, like he's down. an like Olympic a, wrestler. A, like Yeah, and a real legit boxer is who should fight next or else he's just like I, – I think you should just – people at some point, if he keeps doing stuff like this, they're going to look at him as irrelevant. Yeah, I agree because like how you can't really continue to quote-unquote prove yourself against people like Nate Robinson. And I mean, so I far – I don't want to discredit Ben Askren because Ben Askren has been in the fight game for 20 plus years. I just don't know how legitimate the event was. Cause I mean, yeah. Pete Davidson was the host of the event. Right. And like literally his opening line was, well, you could tell how serious this event is because they have me here. <laughs> like, I, I mean, it's Pete, Pete Davidson. Davidson. Oh, I know. He's so funny, bro. Like, what was it? He said, um, oh, I have some in there, but he was with Ben Askren in the interview and he was like, Hey, so it was like before the fight, he's like, I, you know, everybody's rooting for you. Right. And Ben's like, really Pete, you're rooting for me. Like that, that makes me happy. And then Pete's like, dude, everybody fucking hates that kid. Like, I mean, he can beat my ass, but he's a dickhead. Like, <laughs> so yeah, it was yeah. funny to see Pete there. Have you seen King of Staten Island? No, I want to. Oh dude, you should watch it. It's on HBO max. It's so good. I've heard it's good. Yeah, it's yeah. like his first big feature, right? Uh, yeah, I'd say just because Jud- Judd Apatow directed it, which is the guy behind like Forty Year Old Virgin and mm. um, Knocked Up and like a bunch of those great classics, classic movies. 
Um, anyway, but yeah, uh, it's like a it's like an entertainment event. I remember because Triller, the company that does all that, right? Yeah, um, Triller. They uh, they hosted the last one, and it was like it was kind of weird because there was a bunch of those concerts in between, and like they're kind of. They were kind of shitty, except the one cool part was that at the la- at least at the last one, when Snoop Dogg smoked the blunt while performing, I'm pretty sure he did that again, too. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I heard like, that. Like, a lot of people were complaining, like, paid $50 for a boxing match, ended up watching a concert that I could have seen on YouTube. Like, I, I don't know. I didn't pay for it, so I didn't. Well, the thing about rap concerts is they just aren't as usually as good. Um, whoa, whoa. Well, some rap like the big rappers the big rappers i feel like they just don't really care i don't know i've had i've been to my fair share of good concerts but i guess it depends on the venue i feel like rappers are going to show out for like their own headlining tour a lot more than they will for jake paul versus ben i guess that's true yeah so i mean like i take that back i mean travis scott was still electric oh is travis scott there no, but when I saw Travis Scott. Okay, like, yeah. That, I saw rappers yeah. in general. Did, you, but did like, you see him at ACL? Yeah, I saw him at ACL. Wait, I think I was probably there then too. Fuck yeah. Yeah, that but, was electric. Uh, um, I don't know. It's just kind of like when you see – well, rappers concerts on TV is what I'm saying. Yeah, I get that. Like yeah. they always – because it's always like they're always playing the song over it and it'll just be like kind of head bobbing, bobbing and they'll say like the hook – they'll sing along with the hook and then they'll just go right back to like doing whatever they're doing. It's like, yeah, it's kind of like just with any like TV con, like even the Super Bowl, bro, I'm always kind of underwhelmed by the Super Bowl halftime show. And I mean, I guess there's just a lot more production value involved in it than like the actual concert itself. But like another example is the NBA all-star game. They usually get a huge name to come and perform, but it's never really something like super cool. Cause like, it's not their that's not their tour so or like uh like uh thanksgiving halftime shows they always suck yeah they always like i even they feel forced i went to i went to the cowboys thanksgiving day one time and pitbull was there and it was like like it was kind of cool because i was like hey, yeah i was like hey pitbull but like it was also just a shitty concert <laughs> yeah or whatever the fuck he says he pulled out Dolly. he pulled out neo which was kind of cool but it, but yeah but back to this fight um I don't Speaking know. of rappers, Snoop Dogg had two million on Jake Paul. Did he really? Yeah, like literally. Whenever did you see the video of the knockout? Yeah, like vaguely, and then it got taken down, so I couldn't watch it when I was sober. So, like right, right before the knockout happened, Snoop Dogg was literally. It was like perfect timing. Snoop Dogg was like, "Shit, somebody, somebody better tell Jake to start going. I got, I got two million on this fight. Bring me my money, Jake." And then literally right after he says that, boom. Bring me my money, Jake! Like he just starts screaming. No like it was like perfect timing. But yeah, Snoop Dogg made a lot of money on the fight. Do you think yeah. he actually had two million, or you think that was also another publicity stunt? That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, if anybody's gonna put two million on a fight, Snoop Dogg has the money. Like, why not? You know? Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? I feel like I feel like with this bullshit and with that Triller company, it's just a bunch of smoke and mirrors. Yeah, exactly. Because you think I, about it too, like the the Mike Tyson fight that they had, which is the main event at the last event they put on, it was fucking, it was like a draw or whatever. Yeah, and there's so no would, chance that Mike Tyson lost. No, that Mike Tyson won that fight, but they said it was a draw because it's an exhibition and they can do whatever they want. So like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's my Twitter advice is definitely a money yeah. grabbing company. 
Yeah, my advice to people is that do not put your money on anything that Triller puts on, because it's like, you know, it's it, you're gonna get robbed. And plus, Especially, I guarantee there's like a million free streams that you can find somewhere on the internet. That's what I did last time I watched yeah. it. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's why I mean that's what like ninety percent of the world does probably. Yeah, which is still crazy though that well, like they put up these pay per view numbers. Yeah, how much? How much was it? I remember I saw some tweet like what twenty million or some shit. I don't know how or, many people bought it exactly. One and a half know. million. So like Ben Askren was estimated to make like he was getting paid around five hundred thousand dollars just to step in the ring, right? And now with like all the pay per views, the incentives, everything collective. It's it's not confirmed, but it's reported that he took home around five million dollars from this. Yeah, five million dollars. Yeah, not confirmed because they they haven't released the full pay. They have confirmed that he made five hundred thousand just for showing up. Um, so that's confirmed. But yeah, five million dollars, which that would be like Ben Askren's entire UFC career in two minutes of boxing. That's absurd. Like that's crazy. Yeah. That's uh, I mean, like, I don't blame him for taking the fight. Yeah, but, you know. right. I don't blame him. I would too. Good for I mean, him. Yeah, especially when Honestly, his legacy is kind of already remembered by that five second knockout. Who cares? Like, yeah, he's already known for just <laughs> that was like his most famous moment, even mm-hmm. though he was really good. Um, yeah, that's kind of what upsets me. Is like there was a bunch of people too on Twitter talking about like, oh, Jake should fight like a real fighter. Like, sure, he's not a real boxer, but don't call Ben Askren not a real fighter. Like Ben Askren is a fighter. That's what he does. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I've been following him in the MMA for a while. I heard a take too that was like, oh, well, Jake Paul fought the YouTuber. And then they're like, well, you need to fight an athlete. Then he fought the athlete. And you need to fight a real fighter. Then he fought the real fighter. And now people are saying, well, then you need to fight a real boxer. But like, I kind of agree with that too. I do too. I hope I hope that he fights somebody real next time, or else I'm just going to discount him, and I'm just going to be irre- he's going to be irrelevant in my mind at that point. Well, so here's my question then: Is Jake Paul good for the sport of boxing or bad for the sport? That's a really interesting question because it depends on how you look at it. Because like again, we talked about his numbers and like what the numbers were. Well, what were the numbers for the last like Canelo fight or Triple G fight? You know, boxing. Yeah, because boxing isn't what it was. You know, UFC completely took over boxing. So the the most I feel like the most talked about and the most public events about boxing have been Jake Paul doing this bullshit. Um, so I guess in a fucked up way, it, it's good. Yeah, I think it is good too. Like you said, it depends, but overall, I think it's good. Like, let's see, I'm pulling up the, I'm trying to see canelo's pay-per-view like how many he gets um okay so it says that his first two fights for days like d-a-z-n that that brand um canelo pulled in at least 35 million dollars for the pay-per-view jake paul in his first big or i guess yeah first big trailer event pulled in 75 million so like over double what like the probably the biggest name in boxing right now yeah. is pulling in I would say Canelo is the biggest name. Yeah. So, I mean, but like, so if you look at it that way, Jake Paul is now the face of boxing. Okay. Fuck that. No, no I, mean, I don't want to say that. But he, if you look at the numbers and you look at the money, I mean, this is a, this is a business. Sports are a business. And if you look at the money, Jake Paul's the face. You're right. Uh, but he's not. I mean, but look okay, at the jersey actually, sales in the NFL. 
Mahomes is the number one selling jersey. Tom Brady's the number one selling jersey. Those those are the faces of the NFL. Jake Paul is making the most money. Therefore, he's the face of boxing. Like you hate to say it, Conor McGregor okay. is the face of UFC because he's the number one money maker in the UFC. Even though he hasn't pulled out a good fight in in a couple of years. You know, when you say it that way, I it's hard to disagree. It's hard but to I disagree. I don't want to admit it. You don't want to <laughs> admit it. No, it sucks. Well, it, but you hate Floyd Mayweather, it. though. I think Floyd Mayweather may still be the face of it. He makes a He's shit retired. ton of money. He hasn't fought. Yeah, he still makes he a lot of money. Two years. Dude, I just don't know if you can say that Jake because he's Jake Paul's not even in the World Boxing Organization. Yeah, but he's he's still making more money than everyone else that's in that. That's well, yeah, yeah but and I mean, you can say and, that about and, his YouTube, like, and boxing still has what every other. I mean, how many like freaking isn't that what one of the things that killed boxing because there's like so many like leagues and organizations, so many weight also, classes, so many different. Yeah, it kind of killed yeah. it. It got it's confusing to follow. I will say, like, whenever I first started getting into fighting, I wanted to get into fighting like boxing because I thought boxing was more like tech tactical. Uh, more strategy involved, but boy, was I wrong. Like I didn't, I didn't know anything about MMA at the time. And so I started watching both of them at like the same time, kind of. And I just was always more drawn towards MMA because boxing was like, I could never keep up with it. Like I didn't know, I knew what was happening when there was a fight, of course, but I was hard to keep up with who's ranked who, who's yeah. facing who next. Like there's just so many different names and stuff. Like you don't know who's who. Yeah, exactly. In Unless UFC, you like you really know, follow it like yeah. to the down to the T. Yeah. You in the UFC you know who's who. And that's kind mm-hmm. of the thing. That's one of the reasons why it's kind of taking over. But like And because Dana White's a genius. Yeah, that's it. I mean that uh, it's still amazing that UFC managed to do this in the past twenty years. But I digress. Um yeah, I think if if we're gonna look at it in this way because of that, Jake Paul's the he's the face of boxing. That's oh one a take I wanted to bring up on this was uh Pete Davidson while he was at the event. He summed it up pretty well though. He was like, you know, if a YouTuber wants to be a boxer, what's next? Is Charlie D'Amelio just gonna be a surgeon because she has enough followers? Like, so if from that perspective, I can see why it would be annoying for like another like an actual boxer to be like in the same discussion as Jake Paul, you know what I mean? Like, oh, this kid literally just got here because of his following. That being said. I think he is good for the sport overall because I don't think anybody was talking about boxing as much until this YouTuber drama started going down a few yeah. years ago. Cause like it's definitely brought a lot more younger eyes to the sport for sure. Like teenage tweens, you know, 12 year olds and shit. Yeah. Um, and it's, he's also like, a, it seems like he's applied himself. Like, you know, you hear people say that he has actual, he's been putting in actual training in the sport. So like, it's not like he just showed up and he was throw, like, if he was constantly throwing punches, like when he fought Nate Robinson, like I'd, we'd probably be talking about him a little differently, but he's actually like, he has some actual skill in it, but you know, yeah. And even, know. even in just that two minutes against Ben Askren, his, like his form, his confidence, his stance looked phenomenally better than it did against Nate Robinson. Like it, it did look improved. So you can't yeah. knock him because he's working hard. But something you can knock, and I'm going to knock a lot, is probably the biggest news in in soccer, football, wherever you're from, whatever you want to call it. The biggest news to come out in the last, I don't know, decade at least the European Super League was announced with 12 of the world's biggest clubs 
the big six from the Premier League, Arsenal, Manchester United, Manchester City, Liverpool, Tottenham Hotspur, fuck, what was, what's the other one? Chelsea, Atletico Madrid, AC Milan, Barcelona, Juventus, Real Madrid, and Inter Milan are make up the 12 founding clubs. A lot of news has come out since we first, like, you know, intervened about talking about this and stuff. But I just want to break down before we get into, like, the real news, what this league is. So, Elijah, have have you seen everything about this, what's going on and everything? Yeah, I've been keeping up. It's kind of funny, though, because before you even get the chance to trash it and dog it, it's already crumbling and falling I know, right? I was like... I was so hype. I had this whole rant planned. I mean, I'm still going to rant a little maybe, bit. Maybe a very selfish take on our part is that we couldn't even get on air to talk about it before yeah. it, it tumbled down. But um, one of the things that I didn't know, because you know soccer more than I do, I don't know much, but the only thing that I really took out of it is that this league would have destroyed the EPL. And as a ca- very casual soccer fan, I respect the history and greatness that's behind the EPL, so I hated it. There's yeah, dude, so much history. That's really what it is about. Is it's basically going against every tradition, all the history that has to do with the game, all of like the unspoken rules you could say even just about how the game functions and stuff like that. So before I start my rant, I just want to give a big big fuck you double middle finger to Florentino Perez who is the president of Real Madrid and the the chairman of the Super League who as we said, shit's already gone down. Teams are dropping out left and right. Real Madrid has not dropped out. So big fuck you, Florentino Perez, for organizing this whole thing. You don't deserve to be in football. So anyway, moving on about that. But basically what this league is, is you know Champions League and Europa League, right? Yeah. So you have to qualify for those. It's like the, the world, or I guess Europe's biggest stage in football because it's not Central America. Teams don't qualify. Mm-hmm. But it's Europe's biggest stage. And it's the tradition has been going on for years. You have to earn it, and any team can qualify. That's the beauty, right? You look at a few years back, Leicester City. They were at five thousand to one odds to win the Premier League. They won the Premier League. It happened. It was a miracle. It was one of the craziest things to ever happen in sports. That can never happen again with the European Super League. It eliminates all possibilities for that because it's the same big clubs that have the money and have the infrastructure every single year. So it's just basically taking away the competitive nature of soccer. Like you don't have to do anything to earn this. It's going to be, and fans are already concerned about injuries. How are they going to manage playing in the premier league and champions league and the FA cup all at once. Right. Mm -hmm. And now you're just throwing in the super league, a guaranteed 18 to 23 games per year. How are your players going to manage that? You know, like, is there not going to be any injury, any fatigue? Like, I just don't understand. I don't know. Like, I saw um, James – I'm kind of going on a rant now at this point. But I saw James Corden, the talk show host. He brought up a really good point. I mean, he's not super credible in soccer. But he brought up a great point. He said he's that, English. Yeah, he's English. He knows what he's talking about. But he compared it to the same three actors being nominated for an Oscar – no matter what movie they were in, no matter what year it was, just like Meryl Streep, like people like that, they're always great, no matter what. And then just one person maybe can come along, but they'll never win it. It's always those three every time. That's basically what the Super League is like for soccer. So, I, yeah, you you take over for a second. I got uh, more I can go. It's it's like 
I don't know. I just think it's it's um a, one of the things about it is that it's all these American owners that are in in European football right now, and that the and there's one thing Americans good for it's capitalism, and so they kind of don't care about the history and all that. Um, so that that was one of the things that a lot of people were mad about, and understandably so. Um, I don't know. It seemed like, and another thing is, I saw a, a take flying around. ESPN said this is like. It, it's almost like if all the best, like the two best um, teams from the Power Five all left, like team from like Alabama and Georgia left, and UT, like if UT and Oklahoma left the Big 12, the rest of the Big 12 would be fucked. And it's yeah. basically that's what that's what's going on with the Super League. Like yeah. if, if UT and OU left the Big 12, us as TCU fans, we would all of a sudden become completely irrelevant. And that's what it would be like for these teams. Like if you're a fan of like, um, like I don't know. City. Give me, yeah. If you're a fan of Leicester city and you know, you had that one good year and you're, you're, you know, semi-competitive since then. Well, all that has gone out the window because of that, because of the super league. Yeah, exactly. You know? dude. Yeah. I just, it's really just kind of disheartening to see, like, like you said, the owners are really responsible for it. Some of the owners, I mentioned Florentino Perez, Stan Kroenke for Arsenal. I could rant all day. I'm an Arsenal fan, so Stan Kroenke is one of my worst enemies in life. Uh, He also also owns the Rams too, right? He owns the Rams. He's responsible for moving them from St. Louis. Which people are still mad about, by the way. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) Um, He owns the Denver Nuggets, the Colorado Rapids, and the Colorado Avalanche, the hockey team. So this man is worth nearly $9 billion fucking dollars. So I don't understand. You have that much money, right? What is like, because the teams were given $430 million for joining the Super League. So mm-hmm. what the fuck is that $430 million going to do for you, my guy? Like, I don't know. Those, those billionaires, let's say more is less is not more. More is more. With those yeah. I, so, dude, I just, but yeah, Stan Kroenke is another one of those guys, but it's like, Rich American owners like that are really terrible for the game because the problems with Kroenke have been going on for years at Arsenal, but this is really like bringing attention to it as like a whole because Arsenal's not the only team with an American owner. Um, Tottenham Hotspur as well has an American owner, and they just had some problems because they just fired Jose Mourinho, their manager, which I don't know if you know who Mourinho is, but he's a pretty famous – like. Boy, I'm blanking. Manager in the Premier League. He's coached at Chelsea, Manchester United, Tottenham. He's a big name. He's been in the game for a long time. But Tottenham, they just sacked him like literally a week before their cup final. And, and there's no – nobody really knows exactly why. But there are rumors that it's because he refused to take his team out to training after Tottenham announced they were joining the Super League. Like mm-hmm. He said, nope. Like he said, no, I don't want that at all. Well, but now they've all backed out, right? Like everybody in the all the EPL teams. Yeah. So now, now that we got the the shitty part out of the way, we can say, "Yay, it's good now!" Because all the Premier League teams are dropping out. So yeah. And then so did Barca, and so did Atletico. Yes. Yeah. Not not all of them yet, but it looks like it's it's the Premier League started a domino effect. Manchester City was the first team to pull out. So I thought it was Chelsea. Chelsea was second. Manchester Chelsea was City second. Came first. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so they st- – I mean, it was, like, literally within, like, 30 minutes, though. So they okay. probably were, like, thinking it at the same time. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess one of the – here, I'll pull it up. One yeah. of the um, 
what's it called? One of the reasons Chelsea had to pull out was because I mean, like, let's oh see. well, people were protesting. Yeah, at the gates, like it was, it was crazy. Yeah, like look at this, like. I don't know if you can hear this, but it's people chanting "fuck Super League, fuck Super League," and just singing the song and everything around the stadium. See, that's outside of Liverpool Stadium, but there was more like in Chelsea and stuff. Here's some Chelsea fans outside of Stamford Bridge. Let's see. Look at that, dude! Just all these signs—they're blocking the roads. Like, it's mayhem. Nobody yeah, wants wow. this. That's awesome. <laughs> but that's awesome that people, like, they listen they got the point, too. Yeah, exactly. I, I it, like that, too, a lot. Yeah. Because honestly, though, like, if something like this happened in America, this would not phase them. <laughs> this no, would not have at been, all. There would have been nothing. So I think that's really cool that they, uh, they were able to get the point across and that yeah, they which, actually listened. Which is kind of ironic because, like, the whole idea of them joining the Super League was, like, going against everything the fans wanted. But then it was like, as soon as they were like, oh, shit, this is really how the fans feel, like, they had to drop out. So, all in all, it's it looks like things are going to be okay. Football is going to live, or European football is going to live on. People were a little bit worried. There was, like, a bunch of tweets saying, rest in peace, football, born 1869, died 2021. A bit dramatic, but, yeah, it, it's, it's over, well, it looks like. I remember because when I first saw the news of it, it was on it was on TikTok, so I thought it was fake. But like a part of that TikTok was a guy in I think England breaking it down. He was calling it an existential threat to football itself. So that's how serious it was, and that's how much it would have fucked up the whole sport. So this could have been really bad, but then it saved, thank God. And the more yeah. I read up on about it, and the more that it seemed like it it sucked and it wasn't a good thing, and I, uh, so I was really glad that I didn't see it to happen because. I want to get more and more into football and I think more Americans should get more and more into football. Cause I think it's, um, it's another sport to watch. Like, fuck it. Yeah, dude, exactly. You know? Right. Yeah. yeah I, I felt, I didn't really get into it until I was like, I think 13, 14. So it's been about seven years, but like as an American fan, and again, I've only really been in the game for like a few years. So like as an American fan who hasn't grown up around it, like my perspective is limited. So like, even like just you and I talking about it, we probably don't like fully understand the, yeah, we don't understand the gravity of the situation yeah, of how heavy it is, which is I am working on uh, right now for next week's podcast episode. We may be having a, a fellow Arsenal fan of mine come on the show who grew up in England to maybe give us some perspective on like how people over there are thinking and stuff like that. So that'll be another update too. Cause hopefully by then, by next week, the entire Super League is shut down. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and we can just talk about the what ifs or the like how it, how it shut down, things like that. So, okay, yeah, absolutely. All right, but um, this weekend, big event. Speaking big of event. UFC that we were talking about earlier, UFC two sixty one is this weekend. Usman versus Masvidal too. Um, I'm really I'm surprised. Excited. I'm really surprised to see this fight like actually went down though, because I, I didn't think that there was any like what ifs or like, you know, any, any questions to be answered when Usman and Masvidal fought for the first time. I don't except, think there is. Except for the fact that, cause Masvidal took it on short notice, right? That's yes. That is the so only that's thing. It. That's the only thing. But I don't, I don't really think you can use that as leverage because like, it wasn't like Masvidal really competed. Like, 
No. Masvidal showed up. I'll give him that. I'll give him his props. Short notice. Wasn't really trained for it. But Usman was in control the entire fight. So, I don't know. So, it's a good excuse, though, to make the yeah. fight juicy. No, that's to make still, it yeah. juicy. That's like that's like the one thing. So hopefully it'll be a better fight fight because of that. And um, but like, nah, I, <laughs> not a chance in the world. Masvidal wins this fight. I'm sorry. I don't think so. I and can't, what I don't else care, did I ask? It's kind of one of those. It's kind of one of those fights when you see the betting odds, and I don't know. I don't know what the odds are. Do you know? I mean, Usman's got to be at least minus three hundred, minus four hundred, right? Yeah. Let me see that Masvidal betting odds. He's, uh, yeah, I'd agree. He's like, oh, he's a minus four hundred favorite. Yeah, it doesn't matter where. Plus three twenty. It doesn't matter where, what the betting odds are. Like, just it's it's gonna make you money. Just just don't look at the risk. Look at the to win. So oh, what you're saying is I should put four hundred dollars on Usman to win a hundred. That's what you're telling me right now. Yeah. Are we gonna have to do that this Saturday? Is that what's gonna happen? I mean, I'm not because I'm still retired. <laughs> okay, yeah, like, no, I'm I not would. doing that. I would. No. I not, think, you know, I'll I'm put for the Usman people. in a parlay. Yeah, put him in a parlay. He's winning the fight. It's like there's just no there's just no way. Yeah, I don't I don't see any any other possible or possibilities, I guess. But my question though is uh if and when, that's not if, it's when Usman wins this fight, will he be the number one pound for pound fighter in the UFC? Because you got to remember, Khabib is retired, so this is without Khabib in the equation. Um. Well, then you still have Adesanya, three kings, Adesanya, and you still have Ngannou, right? So yeah. Those would be the only other guys that would probably be looking for that. I mean, who is the who are the other guys that are looking for that title? Right now, let, let me. I'm looking at the pound for pound rankings right now. So right now in the pound for pound, oh boy, number one is John Jones. Which is a fucking joke because I don't even want to get into John Jones. But other than John Jones, Usman is listed at number two. Well, then he's already the number one because John Jones hasn't fought in a while. In my yeah, from my point of view, well, you know why I think and the, he's, I, you he's know a, why I think they're doing this for Ngannou, John Jones. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's I think that's the only reason. Which I think at this point is going to happen. It looks like it's going to happen. I hope it happens so that Ngannou can fucking expose John Jones. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Well, isn't there a weight difference too? John Jones is a little bit skinnier. Much skinnier. Yeah, John Jones would be going from light heavyweight to heavyweight to take the fight. He would have to move up a weight class, and he'd be at like the bottom end of heavyweight. Which heavyweight's weird how it works because it's such a big weight gap. Like the class is so big compared to all the other ones. Well, even when Stipe fought, Stipe was like 230, and then Ngannou was like 260. Yeah, and Ghana's just a big motherfucker, dude. He's just shredded. He's a freaking nature man. Like Dana White, he has Ngannou literally has the hardest recorded punch in human history. Fuck it's like, yeah. <laughs> fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> I love him so much. <laughs> he's so cool, dude. It's just he's so fun to watch. I don't know. But other than Usman is number two, this is kind of surprising to me. I think it's only because Adesanya lost uh, that fight to Jan. Um, but they, or yeah, Adesanya lost, but they have Alexander Volkanovsky ranked at number three, pound for pound. Okay, which I think that's bullshit because Max Holloway fucking beat him twice. Uh, that's another topic yeah, for that's debate. Topic for debate, yeah, for sure. But then what? The other fight is uh, Thug Rose is going to be fighting. I'm excited for that. Yeah, Wei Lei Zhang and 
Rose Namahunez for the strawweight title. What are the odds on that? Because Zhang is a uh, is it Zhang or is it Zong? It's Zhang. Okay, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Is she she's probably the favorite because she's the champion in this fight, right? I'm gonna guess she's the favorite. I'm looking it up right now. She because she's won 21 straight fights, so like I couldn't imagine she's not the favorite. Why can't yeah. I find this right now? Oh man, um, I don't know. But either way, like it's gonna. And I saw that you put in the outline that uh, Thug Rose is fighting to beat communism because Zhang is from a communist country, communist China. Yeah, that's that's another thing. I saw Rose. She was in an interview on some like Lithuanian sports television kind of thing because her parents are from Lithuania. They they moved here or escaped from. So that's the reason though is because her parents escaped from communist Lithuania to America. And so Rose is kind of like her idea is that like fuck communism because it like fucked her parents. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. I mean, Zele Wang, this isn't her or Weilei Zhang. This isn't her fault that it's communism. That, like that's a, that's a real thing though. I had a, I had a teacher in high school. She was from Armenia and she basically got rescued by marrying another teacher at the school. Miss um, Nichols, she was she was a sweetheart. She's one of my favorite teachers. But she grew up in Armenia, and that was one of her things. And she was became, she was a hardcore Republican because uh, this was at a time when Bernie was coming out, and like you know, Democrats were you know embracing more socialist tendencies. And she hated that because she grew up in that, and she saw the evilest tendencies from like you know communist Russia and all that. So that's a real thing, and that people carry you know people that come children that come where their parents come from those countries, that's a real sentiment that they hate. No, I mean, all that. It's, I've, it's, I've it's actually, real. I mean, I can kind of speak from, well, not like experience, but like my girlfriend, her parents grew up in, in uh, countries with that. And like, they came over to America and like, so they're like very against that kind of stuff, you know, yeah. which yeah. is under, understandable. I totally get that, you know, yeah. but my only thing with this, this fight is like, she's almost making this like a per, she's trying to make it personal. I think. Like, but maybe it's like a tactic to like hyper up for the fight, you know? Like, yeah. well, that's more reason. Why, that's more reason why you should bet on Thug Rose because she's not only fighting for herself; she's fighting for ideological differences. Dude, I'm, you know, so, I don't. So I don't know. It, okay, like, I found the odds. Okay, Weile Zhang is a minus one ninety favorite, and yeah. Rose is plus one fifty. Oh, I bet Rose. I don't know, dude. I think I've watched Weile Zhang fight, man. Her fight against Joanna, Joanna Jurjazek, how you say that last name? I know it's Joanna. But that fight where she literally turned her into a fucking alien in her forehead. Yeah. Like, I, she's just – but, I mean, Rose, I love Rose. I can't – She can take a beating. She can. Rose can take, she can take, she can, she can take it. She, she can is, dish it out. She's earned her nickname Thug, <laughs> like, for sure. So – I don't know. That it's like one of those few women's fights where you actually should tune in to watch. Well, there's another women's fight you should tune in to watch too. Like it, there's three title fights on this card and the the other one is Valentino Shevchenko is taking on Jessica Andrade for the flyweight title. So, I don't know if you know Shevchenko. She's my favorite women's fighter by far. She's amazing. Yeah, I've seen her fight a couple of times. She's entertaining for sure. Yeah, she's um she has what is it four title defenses now in a row and they've all been dominant like none of them have even been close but the only thing though is uh Jessica Andrade this is probably her 
toughest test yet for the belt because Andrade it moved up a weight class for this. She went from strawweight to flyweight. Um, yeah, strawweight to flyweight. And Andrade actually beat Thug Rose. So okay. anybody that can beat Thug Rose is pretty damn good. <laughs> okay. So now that she's moving up weight classes, and we'll see what's going to happen. So I, I don't know. Because, you know, she's maybe going to be a little bit slower moving up. We'll see. Shevchenko's too quick, so I don't think anybody's getting past her. Yeah. Um, is there any other undercards worth looking at? Let's see here. Nah, I don't, I don't know. I haven't really checked out the undercard too much. I know that uh, this this fight has fans back in the stands. Oh, man. That'll be, in, that'll be fun. It's sold out in like seconds. Oh, yeah. Well, people are desperate to go do something. Yeah, and well, I mean, and um, Dana White also came out in an interview and said that there will be no masks in the stands. Well, it's in Jacksonville, right? So that's not really a surprise. Yeah, <laughs> Duval, don't give a fuck. Duval. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so I'm looking at the undercard now, and there's not necessarily like this one isn't really like a crazy fight, but Alex Oliveira is fighting. He's a pretty well known, good fighter, welterweight. Um, that's in the prelims to finish it up. And then also on the main card before all the title fights is Uriah Hall and Chris Weedman. So, or Weidman. So that's a, that's a good fight right there. All right. Definitely uh, not up to the caliber as the championship fights, but it's one of the best cards we've probably seen in a while. Just cause I mean, how often do you get three championship fights? In I feel one like night? we say that about pretty much almost every, like every other UFC card that we see. It's been happening yeah. this year, though. Yeah, like, this it, year's it's been, been crazy. Awesome. You, this this past year has been so great for UFC, and I love the direction the sport is heading. And it's only getting better and better is because the bigger it gets, because the more talent it's going to attract. For sure, and I think they they played as as shitty as this sounds. The they UFC COVID. they played the pandemic perfectly, like perfectly. No, I don't think any other sports organization was able to maintain their audience the way that the UFC did. Yeah, like, they, they definitely incredible. seized the opportunity. Yeah, and now they're back to normal, basically. Like, they did yeah. it. They made it. Yeah. And it's here to stay, too, I think. Oh, for sure. Fucking yeah, for awesome. Sure. It's, and it's, it's just great TV. It's great to watch. And I do like, too, that it's not all pay-per-view, because that's some of the complaints I hear. is like, oh, I want to watch MMA, but I don't want to pay 60 bucks. So it's like, well, watch one of the free fights. It's literally yeah. every Saturday there's fights. Every Saturday night. It's all, yeah. Yeah, not and all of them not, are going to be paid for. Also, they put up quality fights in the fight nights too every once in a while. Yeah, exactly. Like there was just Kevin Gastelum and Robert Whitaker last Saturday. Yeah. They were at a free event UFC Vegas, which Whitaker won that fight, by the way. Where were they ranked? Whitaker is the number one contender. Okay. So, so then, they're saying Whitaker's going to fight Adesanya now. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah. They'll, put up, they'll put up worthy fights that you don't have to pay for. Yeah, or do well, you have to have ESPN Plus now? Or is so it- that one, um, some of them you do, but then I'm pretty sure UFC Vegas is on just like ESPN on like normal broadcast TV. Okay. Yeah. But it's because, it's, yeah, it's weird. They have like UFC Apex, they have UFC Vegas, they have UFC Fight Night, and then they have UFC like numbers, like the main events. Yeah. So it's kind of, in that sense, it's a little tough to keep up with, but it's like just every Saturday you know, night, there's fights. Nice. Yeah, every Saturday night there's fights, and they yeah. every now and then they throw them on Wednesday. Yeah, well, and also if you have ESPN Plus, which you should, I have it. I recommend it. You're a sports fan, you kind of yeah. need it. It's it's not. It's only like what five bucks a month. Yeah, five a month. A it's of, not terrible. You get a lot of soccer with it, a lot of Serie A. 
yeah. a lot of good articles too. I can't tell you how many good articles I read off ESPN plus. Plus you get, you know, the fights. Yeah. Too, so it's worth it. Yeah. Shout out, uh, you know, ESPN, they should sponsor us for that, that quick promo we just gave them. I wish. <laughs> I then, wish. Yeah. That'd be the dream. All our troubles would be, we yeah, definitely, exactly. have, we definitely have to start, stop cursing for the mouse though, but I would do it. <laughs> nah, bro. If, if they don't want us how we are, then we don't need them, bro. Oh, I'd sell out in a heartbeat. Are you yeah, me? honestly, I would too. For ESPN <laughs> shit, I'd be like, whatever you want, sir. If you're writing my uh, paychecks. All right, let's get some draft talk. Drafts next week. I'm so excited for the draft. We'll probably give an even more in-depth draft talk next week. Probably even Definitely. Spend, we could probably spend close to an hour on the draft. At least I feel like I could next week. But um, there's a couple of things going down. Man, the first – Two picks are going to be locks. The third pick, the draft is going to start at three this year, it seems like, which is crazy because usually it seems like it's it's always going to start at two. Usually you know the first overall pick is going to be, sometimes not, but usually number one's figured out and then the, the draft starts at two. But the first two picks are definitely locked up. Lawrence, number one, Fields, two. Three whoa, is going to be – whoa, whoa. I mean, not Fields. I mean, I'm oh. in Wilson. I'm in. Okay, Wilson. I was about to say. I, okay, well, if you that that's that what a, you think, I don't think it's locked up. In that, no, case. no, that was that, that was a definite mental mistake right there. Wilson's going number two. It's almost 100 percent guarantee at this point. Yeah. Um, number three is where we see some some speculation. 49ers were rumored to be enamored with Mac Jones when they made the trade. Now there's some Fields hype. Um, there's even some. Uh, Trey Lance speculation as well. So we do know it's going to be one of those three quarterbacks. So we do know that. And then fourth, Atlanta, like what's Atlanta going to do? Are they going to trade down? Are they going to take a quarterback? What do you think? So I think that, like, I agree with you that the draft starts at pick number three. What are the Niners going to do with that? Which personally, I think they're going to take Justin Fields at this point. I think it's locked up. Well, not a lock per se, but I'd say it's like at least like a 70% chance they go with Fields. I feel like we're not going to know until like the day of or the day before. That's true. There there may be more stuff that comes out too. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's always those draft bombs, you know. Yeah. And so what I think the Falcons are going to do at number four is what I'm – so as a Bengals fan, what I'm really worried they're going to do is take Penny Sewell which there's been a lot of mock drafts that have Sewell going at number four. But I think the more realistic possibility is they're going to take Kyle Pitts, which sounds crazy, a tight end being drafted fourth, but he's going to be a top 10 pick no matter what, I think, at this point, Kyle Pitts. Yeah, the way he's been talked about, everything that's going on. I mean, he's a freak of nature. I don't think we've seen a tight end like him maybe in my lifetime coming into the draft. I don't know. but. Well, at this point, to call him a tight end would almost be kind of somewhat of a discredit. I would call him a playmaker. You that's, know? Yeah, that's a good way to put you know, it. He's cause... not a tight end. He's a playmaker because tight ends, you know, they do all the dirty work block. You know, they come there. They, you know, grind for a first down catch. If they catch, it's a plus sometimes with tight ends. But this guy, he's a bona fide star. You know? He really is. Like, you, you, can put, you can put him at any position on the field and he's going to make a play. Yeah. And it's almost kind of like, dude, why are you labeling yourself a tight end? Like, he should just be almost like Jimmy Graham when he was with the Saints. Like, are you a tight end or are you a wide receiver? He didn't even know at that point. Remember? <laughs> yeah, there could be that, another one like that. Yeah, remember when he had that arbitration where he had to consult the NFL what his position was? 
Wait, really? I didn't hear about that actually. Yeah, it's when he was with the it's when he was still with the Saints, and he like didn't even know if he was a he filed some kind of arbitration with the NFL if he was a tight end or wide receiver to get some kind of I don't know just for labeling purposes. And the NFL was like, "You're tight end." And he was like, "Okay, cool." <laughs> okay. It's almost, yeah, it's pretty much like that. Is like you know, if you wanted to say, if you wanted to draft him, and be like, hey, you're not a tight end anymore. You're a wide receiver. He'd go, okay, because he's fast and big enough for it. I mean, he's six. He's what six six? Yeah, six five. Six five. Six five. Yeah, you know, that's Calvin Johnson basically, except you know, faster. Yeah, I mean, he he is. He's one of those guys that I think is going to be an inst- instant impact in the NFL. I like wherever he goes, instant impact. I mean, if he goes to Atlanta. She, I, I don't know what they can do with Matt Ryan in his old age, but he's still uh, balling, dude. Yeah, it's just every year there's always just question marks. I feel like at this point, but you got Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and Kyle Pitts now. That's a pretty good receiving core. So I feel like their offense could do some damage. Yeah, well, it's just that defense. It's always been the question mark. But they hired another um offensive minded head coach so we see i think the best route to take for the falcons though is to trade down i would too i would too at that point i think i think what's going to happen is and it might even happen on draft night is that the falcons are going to trade down on draft night and then another team is going to swoop in to take a fourth quarterback in a row Ooh, that would be juicy i could totally see that happening and I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots trade up. Yeah, that's oh, the what, Patriots are the Patriots are going to be aggressive in the market for that's sure. What, yeah. So, ooh, okay. So I'm looking at right now. The, I'm looking. The at, Eagles are another name to look at too for the trade up market. Nick Sirianni today just said that um, it's no guarantee he he would not name Jalen Hurts the starter, and he said it's going to be an open competition for the starting job. So they're going to take a fucking quarterback in the first round. That's what they just they literally just. They literally just told the entire world, hey, we're going to take a quarterback. Him and her. If they do that, bro, I don't know what I would. I don't, I would have no words. That'd be the dumbest shit I've seen in so long. Why would they not go with Jalen Hurts? Uh, I mean, Jalen Hurts wasn't that great. Oh, he did pretty good, I feel like. His first few games starting. He did a lot of things that was like he would put himself into situations with his feet. Yeah, I could see that. I don't know. He, he, he would learn. He, you know? he would escape clean pockets and put pressure on himself and stuff like that. So um yeah, I, I don't know. Uh the Eagles don't know what they're doing. That's Just a good way that. to put it. Yeah. Yeah. I saw the, the Eagles uh GM was saying um he plays rock, paper, scissors with the recruits or like the scout the people he's scouting to like measure their level of competition. So he's like, if they get really into it, I'm like, that's a competitor right there. And I'm like, bro, that's kind of cool, but I don't know if that's how you should measure your NFL draft talent. I kind of see it because like I'm a pretty competitive person, and I'll even get into a dumb game of rock paper scissors. But at the same time, you're fucking stupid if you're basing your your business decisions. Yeah, off rock paper off scissors. Off of rock paper scissors. Yeah, but so I'm looking at uh, the recent Todd McShay or Todd McShay's most recent mock draft. So, of course, you know, Lawrence going first to the Jags, Wilson second to the Jets. So, this is interesting, though. He has Mac Jones going number three to the 49ers. It's because there's the buzz around it. That's there what, is. That's, that's just, you know. But I've also heard, though, a lot of buzz with the Niners and Justin Fields. So, I think 
Yeah, it's between those two though. They're gonna take one of them. Do you hear yeah. that? Um, sorry, the Forty uh, ers offered a first round pick to the Jets for Darnold. <coughs> first rounder. Yeah. So the only thing I have to say about that is how fucking bad is Jimmy Garoppolo? Yeah, how, like that they, seems like they they're must trying to eat, get away. Yeah, like I, I thought he was a decent quarterback. Like somebody is he are they that desperate to get rid of him or to get somebody else instead of him? Like that's that I don't know. Like or is it maybe well, just because they think like these guys in this draft are like I don't crazy know. talented? What are they see well just Darnold itself though? Like what are they seeing that they don't like Jimmy Garoppolo that the wrestle world doesn't? You know, or, yeah, I guess what do they see in yeah, in Darnold that's better than Garoppolo? Yeah. Because yeah, I, I, I would take Garoppolo over Darnold. I would right too. Now. Yeah, I would. I don't. That's weird to me. I don't know. Yeah. I'm curious though to see what they do with the number three pick. Again, I'm more nervous for the fourth pick because I'm a Bengals fan. Bengals are not in the market for a quarterback whatsoever because you know Joey B, Joe Burrow, our our king is here to lead us. Yep. Yeah. Speaking of that though, we released our new jerseys, which by the way, snooze. Really? Dude, they're the same. Yeah, I yeah, that's my complaint. <laughs> like they're 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 good. Like they're they're fine uniforms, but it was just kind of like, oh okay. Like yeah, I I didn't like that. They didn't really change much, but I like them because they didn't fuck it up. I'll say that. Like it's yeah. not bad. Like it's not like when the Jets changed their uniforms, everybody was like, ah. Shit. Yeah, I think these. I think it's just like a more modern take on the the Bengals jersey. So yeah. the, I think the only thing they could have done better is uh, making white Bengal helmets. Like white and black bingle helmets. Yeah, I think the NFL still has its one shell rule. I thought they they got rid of it, but apparently they didn't. I um, thought they did too. Let me look it up. But keep talking. That's weird. Yeah. Well, okay. So like back to the fourth and fifth pick. So right now, Todd McShay, like I said, has Kyle Pitts going uh, to the Falcons at number four. But this doesn't make any sense. I don't know what Todd McShay is thinking with this. So he has. The Bengals taking Jamar Chase over Penny Sewell. Yeah, I don't think so. I think that after the the um, even though it would be awesome to see Jamar Chase and Burrow reunite, and it would be enticing for the Bengals to do so, you just saw your future um, get absolutely demolished for that his entire rookie season you have to get him protection. Yeah. And it's not and it's not like they don't have playmakers on the field right now and you can always find playmakers in the next draft. But if you have if you have the opportunity to go ahead and get a um a stalwart at left tackle, the most important to protect Joe Burrow's blind side, you have to do that. Yeah, I mean like if some of our playmakers came in the in the second round. You know, like you got Tyler a, Boyd was a second round pick. T Higgins was a second round pick like they were both second round picks, so why not go out and get somebody to protect our quarterback, and then I, maybe try and find something later in the draft? Yeah, I think that's what they'll do, probably. And they'll I don't probably know. go with the first rounder to get him help next year. The Bengals' um, management seems to surprise me every single time, so I wouldn't be surprised if they take Jamar Chase. We'll see. Um, be interesting to see. I think one surprise out of this draft is I think that uh, a. A big slide out of it is going to be um, Devontae Smith. He, I think he's going to fall out of the top 10. Really? We're seeing, it, we're seeing it more and more that he's going to slide. That's interesting because, right, Todd McShay has him going six to the Dolphins, which I've heard the Dolphins could take any of the receivers, though. 
Six, six. If he if the Dolphins don't pick him at six, if the Dolphins the Dolphins could still choose Chase over over. That's uh, true. If if Chase if Chase is available, they're gonna take Chase. I think. You know, it, so, it really depends on if the Bengals take him or not. Because right now you're looking at two um, playmakers, two pass catchers to go before Devontae Smith. It's probably what's going to happen at this point. So he could easily slide slide out of the top ten, which is crazy. It's, it's crazy, though, that like they say literally on, on this mock draft, it's Devontae Smith at six, Jalen Waddell at seven, and then Patrick Sertain at eight. Just three Alabama players back-to-back-to-back in the top ten. Well, I think Sertain, hopefully, hopefully he goes to the Cowboys at 10. That's who I want us to pick. I've seen a lot of mock drafts with him at 10. Yeah, I I think we're either going to take him or, or Farley out of Virginia Tech. Either way, we're going defense. We have to. Farley would be a good pick. We might even trade down. There's been a lot of mock drafts that speculated trade down with the Cowboys. Dude, this draft, man, is going to be it's fucking be amazing, great. dude. Uh, my only thing is that the top 10 is going to be so electric that the rest of the first round is just going to be a snooze fest. Yeah, honestly, it's literally going to be like the first half of the first round. It's like, holy shit, like what's going to happen? Not even then, the first half, like the first third. I, I don't know. I mean, let's see. Like down below, there's been talks about the Giants at number 11. They're going to trade down to maybe well, yeah, New the, England. The, the first 12. The first 12, yeah. I'm saying. Outside of the first 12, okay. it's going to be like, you know. It's gonna be well, kind it of depends boring. on what the Patriots do at 15. I think they're going to trade up. I think so too. I, I would I not be surprised. Be aggressive. Um, yeah, I think they're going to go. I've seen that. I don't know though. Who would Bill Belichick prefer? Does, do you think Bill Belichick wants Mac Jones? That's who I I think he's going for. I mean, he kind of fits the mold. That's what I'm thinking. Of what yeah. they've had, you know, yeah. the Tom Brady uh, anticipation. You know, he's not very mobile. Or they could take a new route. I could see them going for Trey Lance. I could see them taking Trey because think about it. They re-signed Cam Newton, and they like Cam Newton. They don't love him, but they, they've been on record saying they like Cam Newton very much. So I could very easily see them going ahead and taking, trading up, taking Trey Lance, and then having him sit for a, a year, learning the NFL game, getting used to the NFL game, then rolling with him. I You know, I could see that too. I just – Maybe just not with Trey Lance, though, because I'm not sold on Trey Lance. I don't think he's one of the top five quarterbacks. I really don't. I think I would take Kyle Trask ahead of Trey Lance. But mm-hmm. that maybe that's just me. I mean, I'm not, not an NFL not, scout. Not Kyle Trask. <laughs> I, would, I would take Kellen Mond over, over, over uh, Kyle I've heard Trask. a lot of good things about Kellen Mond, too. Like, uh, you know, people have been hyping him up ever since Combine stuff and everything started. One of my buddies who's a religious AM fan, he's watched every single game that Mond has played. He says that Mond's really good. He's just inconsistent. So which, that's his biggest knock. Which is tough to do in the NFL, though. Yeah, you can't be inconsistent. So no, I, I mean, can see I ahead. see Mond as a as a very, very, very good backup. I see Mond as a potential Dak. Yeah. You know? okay. I see Mond as a potential Dak Prescott. Like, you know, fourth round. Because he's probably not going to get drafted until like third, fourth round, right? Second, yeah, like late second, second. late second, third. Okay, probably. yeah, I could see him going in the second, actually. Second, third, and fourth is yeah. what we're looking at for Mond. Kyle Trask, I mean, probably he'll probably go in the boat, dude. I see him going and not going until like the fifth. After really? The cotton, after the Cotton Bowl, when he didn't have his playmakers there to make him look good. 
Yeah. He's, he's not. He's. He, I don't know. I just loved Kyle watching Trask. Kyle Trask. I liked watching him during the college football. He was a lot of fun. Yeah. But, but uh, I, I like Kellerman too. Kellerman's a good player. I, I kind of watched him because he was at AM for, was he starting for three years, I think? He was start. He was a multi-year starter. Four, four. all four, yeah. Four-year starter. Yeah. yeah. For a long time, man. Him and, him and Jimbo tried to cook something up. Hopefully. I mean, they did the last year. They were in yeah, playoff contention. Very, like Very good, yeah. Yeah. Good so, for him, though. So other- who? my question before we move on from draft talk is what team or teams do you think is under the most pressure to come away with a good draft? Wow. The Jets. Yeah, I was I was going to say the same thing. The Jets, 100%. The Jets. They have to – Zach Wilson has to be a hit. Yeah. They, they literally cannot afford to lose their first-round pick. Like, Well, I mean, not lose, but to bust on their first-round pick. And even after the first-round pick, they can't afford – any slip-ups, really. They need an A-plus draft if they want to restore yeah. the mojo in New York and whatever. And then I'm going to give you a dark horse pick for who needs to really hit on this draft is the Dolphins. The Dolphins are in a position now where they need to contend, and they have to hit on these last few draft picks because not right now they're in a position where they're rich and they're getting richer, and they have to get richer in this draft to make a push to become a real playoff contender and a Super Bowl contender at this point. I like that a lot, actually. I do, yeah. I, I could so totally see that because you're right. Miami is a contender now. Like they mm-hmm. are. Like especially mm-hmm. if they hit it on this draft, they're definitely a contender. Uh, that would be that would be my two picks. Is the Jets from an obvious standpoint, but from a dark horse, like they need to hit this in order to secure um, a very successful future, which I think they can have with Brian Flores. The Dolphins need to hit on this draft. I think my dark horse. I mean, I agree with you. The Jets would be the first priority, but is uh, the Denver Broncos. Not necessarily because they're in contention at all, but because I don't remember the last time they had a phenomenal draft. They drafted Bradley Chubb was their best pick in a long time. And that's really it. They haven't had a great first round in a while. So they're they're in the market potentially for a quarterback. There's been talk about the John Elway still loves Drew Locke, which I don't get why. <laughs> so we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think they're a dark horse too. That They kind of really need a good draft. And then one more I'll give you two is the Niners is they have to hit on their quarterback that they take. Yeah, now that they traded, and, you're right. And now that they traded, they have to make sure that their uh, gamble, their gambling away of Jimmy Garoppolo is 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 worth it and and um, verified and uh, you know. Yeah, so I agree. Be another. All right. All right. It's that time of week again. Time for some rapid-fire topics, love it or loathe it, everybody's favorite segment, and by everybody, I mean Ryan, Elijah, and the six people watching us right now. Let's pull it up, baby. It's time. All right, I got the fancy little banner there at the bottom of the screen. Elijah, uh, you go ahead. I'll I'll, I'll answer some first. You go ahead and read some off real quick. We're going to – so if anybody doesn't know what love it or loathe it is, we try to hold ourselves to as minimal time as possible. Uh, we go through these topics as fast as we can, and if we love it, we'll talk about it for a second, and if we loathe it, we'll just move right on to the next topic. All right, hit me with it, Elijah. All right, so LaMarcus Aldridge retires from the NBA due to health concerns. I love this. I don't love that he had health concerns, but I love that – one, I love that he retired because it's the right thing to do, you know, if you're, like, actually at health risk playing the game. But I also love it because I think it's fucking hilarious – 
that everybody was freaking out about the Nets. They just got Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, all this hype. And then like a week into his time at the Nets, he retires. It's kind of just ironic to me. But yeah, all right, that's it. I love that one. Moving on. All right, UNT softball pitcher throws a perfect game, striking out every single batter. Seven innings, 21 Ks. I love this. I don't think this got enough attention during – I saw it on Barstool Sports is where I got the story. But, man, this girl from UNT just went off. Like, could you imagine if this happened in college baseball even? Or, like, it's, hell, shoot, the MLB especially. It would be on headlines everywhere. But seven innings, 21 strikeouts. So it's literally every single batter she faced. That's that's next level. I love that. It's fucking sick. Yeah, um, sick. So TCU basketball adds Texas Tech transfer Micah Peavy. So again, I'm kind of just loving all these right now, but I love this one because this is a good one for us personally. You know, we both go to TCU. We've had a bit of a problem with players transferring out of the program ever since Jamie Dixon got here. I don't know what it is, but almost every year a few players have transferred. And this year we're literally losing five players to transfer and two to the NBA draft. So that's an entire, like the minimum for a roster is seven players. We're losing a minimum roster. So TCU has already brought in a couple transfers. There's a Vanderbilt guard who started for, or played for four years. So some good experience there. But Micah Peavy started 25 games for a top 25 team in the country and went to the NCAA tournament. So great experience under his belt. He played for a phenomenal coach that left for UT, but yeah, I think it's a huge pickup for TCU. Huge. All right. Um, the Yankees are currently the worst team in the American League with a six and ten record. I love it. I love it. I'm a Rangers fan, so you know it's always fun to watch the Yankees struggle, especially whenever they're projected to be one of the best teams in the league. The only thing I like about the Yankees is Aaron Judge. He's a lot of fun to watch, but that that's that i like that fun to see i think them it's do i think it's a big surprise that they're struggling like that because they brought literally everyone back from that great team that they've had the past two years yeah exactly i don't think anybody saw this coming okay kevin durant lists top five players he's ever played with and didn't mention russell westbrook i loathe this i, I don't understand how do you how does westbrook not make the list i think he's just trying to be petty moving on Pe- yeah pettiness all right alden smith Signs with the Seattle Seahawks two days after he allegedly choked someone out in a coffee shop. Dude, I love this. Not because he choked somebody out, but I just think it's hilarious how this whole story went down. And also, I was literally, I was in New Orleans when he got arrested in New Orleans. So, like, I literally had a couple friends text me. They're like, hey, yo, you see Alden Smith at all? And I'm like, nope, sorry, I missed him. So, I yeah, it's kind of just, I don't get what the Seahawks are thinking. They kind of have a history with some, uh, if you remember Trayvon Boykin, the TCU quarterback, he was with the Seahawks, got arrested like three times, and the Seahawks were like, no, nah, it's fine, come on back. But, yeah, and, and they drafted Frank, Frank Clark after his uh, domestic abuse yeah. situation. So Also, no wonder why the Cowboys didn't re-sign him. I was kind of mad at first. Now nah, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Um, all right, number one recruit in the country, Chet Holmgren, seven one, seven foot, one inch center, commits to Gonzaga. I love it. I, I feel like I'm loving all these right now, but a lot of love in the air tonight. Yeah, a lot of love in the air tonight. But I like this guy. He, he, I watched. I don't know much about him, Chet Holmgren, but I watched a couple of his highlights, and he is one of those players you don't really see often. 
He's a seven foot one center, but he has handles. He can dribble and he has a jump shot. I mean, I think he's NBA bound if you watch him. So it's good to see him go to Gonzaga. I think it's it's better that way instead of one of these traditional perennial powerhouses like Kentucky, Duke, Kansas that normally get the top recruits. I mean, Gonzaga's up there for sure, but overall, I, I, it's nice to see a little change. All right, I'm gonna throw you the curveball. This is just in breaking news. Trey Young has been helped to the lo- locker room. He's been uh, he landed awkwardly on a on his ankle, no. and he might be really seriously hurt. Like it just like just happened. Literally just got the 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 notification when you're talking. Fuck! I will loathe loathe it. Fuck! I don't <laughs> want Trey Young hurt. All right, Alex Smith retires from football. Love it. I, I love Alex Smith. It's just I'm sad to see him go. He he was fun to watch. Good right. story. The Oakland A's win 11 straight games after opening the season with a w- league worst one and seven record. I love this. Ironically, because they're in the same division as the Rangers. Uh, I've always liked the A's. For some reason, I have too. I don't know what it is, but Billy Bean. Maybe so. You know, maybe Moneyball, of course. But they started with a one and seven record, or actually, they started zero and six, but and then one and seven was still a league worst at the time. And now they have 11 wins, which today, I don't know if you saw, but they were down 12 to 11 in the 10th inning. And the third baseman for the Twins, I don't know his name, but the third baseman on the Twins literally had an error over first base, threw it over his head, and the A's won that way. It was back-to-back, too. The play before that, they had the game winning out. Crazy. Yeah. (laughs) So 11 straight wins now. It's crazy to see. You don't really see those kind of streaks in the MLB that often. All right. All right. Moving on now, your turn, Elijah. Love it or loathe it. First one, Carlos Rodon throws the second no-hitter of the season against the Cleveland Indians and was one hit-by-pitch away from a perfect game. I love it. I always love seeing uh, no-hitters in perfect games. It's one of the things that makes baseball great. If if none of y'all have ever seen it, y'all should watch a short documentary about the perfect game. It'll bring a tear to your eye if you love baseball and how much it means to the sport. But – I think this is almost on Armando Galarraga level of heartbreak that this should have been a perfect game, but at least he got a no hitter. So good for him. Yeah. Especially because I think it was in the ninth inning, but yeah, yeah. it was in the ninth. So moving on Las Vegas Raiders posting some weird shit on Twitter. We already talked about this. Yeah. Loathe it. All right. Moving on. Then Anthony Davis will make his return against the Dallas Mavericks tomorrow. All right. um, Loathe it. All right. Interesting. The Los Angeles Dodgers are on pace to have the best record in Major League Baseball history. Yeah, I love this. Um, I don't think they're going to. They're definitely going to win 100 games. If they could get anywhere sure. near that 116 mark, that would be crazy. But the fact that they've started out 14-4 and four for a baseball season is absolutely incredible, and I hope they keep the pace up because I always love to witness greatness. Yeah, <coughs> I couldn't disagree. All right, so the New York Knicks are currently – holding the best win streak in the NBA with seven straight and are sitting at fifth in the East. I love it. The Knicks are back to relevancy. Finally, the big market team, ESPN can finally shut up about how bad the Knicks are, and Tom Thibodeau has once again proven that he is an elite head coach in this league. All right, yep. Always fun to see Julius Randle put up 40 points. All right, the Do- the Los Angeles Dodgers sent Vin Scully, long-term famous play-by-play broadcaster, his very own World Series ring from last season. I love it. Good for Vin Scully. He's one of the legendary announcers in all of baseball and all of American sports. 
it's good to see a member of the media get this much love because usually we don't all, we don't always do. So uh, yeah. good for him. Yeah, I agree. We not always get the love. All right. So I don't want to mess up this name. Kohei Arihara. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Kohei Arihara of the Texas Rangers pitches against Shohei Otani. And the two used to be former teammates in Japan for the Nippon Ham Fighters and won a championship together in 2016. Yeah, this is awesome. I love this. Um, I think that this is so great for the sport of baseball and MLB. It's also going to drive a lot of uh, – well, I guess we already have a lot of J- Japanese people watching the MLB, but I just always think it's cool when something like this happens. And um, I honestly – I want to have like somebody on or get uh, down to the science of why not more – great Japanese players come to America to play in the MLB. I'd be really interested to see that and see what the differences are. That would be interesting, yeah, to talk to somebody about. Because you see, you know, a lot of the best Cuban and all the best players from South America, they always come here no matter what. Is it because of a financial situation and Japanese players don't have to? I don't know, but it'd be really interesting interesting to, yeah, it'd be really interesting to see why this doesn't happen more. But anyway, that's just really awesome. Very cool moment. Uh, Shohei thought in the the second at bat, the first at bat, Kohei striked uh, Shohei out. The second at bat, Shohei thought he struck a bomb, and then he got a home run stolen off him. Oh, really? Yeah, it was sick. It was sick. Yeah, I would see. I was chilling because I had like three units on the Angels to win the first five innings, so I cashed in on that. So I was chilling. Yeah. Yeah. All right, moving on. Last but not least, the NFL has changed its jersey rule numbers to where now running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, linebackers, and defensive backs can wear single digits on their uniforms. Um, yeah, I'm just going to say I love this. Um, it'd be kind of interesting to see, like, which players will switch jersey numbers. Um, I'm also curious of why the NFL felt they needed to do this. But I don't yeah, know. Kind of random. Cool. Yeah, it'd be cool to just see uh, guys go back some of their college numbers and college players being able to stick with uh, their numbers in the NFL. So I guess it'll be cool. It'd be kind of weird at first. Yeah. But, uh, we'll get used to it, especially seeing a linebacker wearing like number five. So, yeah. But whatever. If cool. you watch enough college football, I think it won't be that that big of a transition. But yeah, I, I yeah. like that too. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode. We appreciate you if you stayed tuned from the beginning all the way to the end. We hope that our YouTube live format finally worked out because this is our first time actually doing it. And if you can't watch the full episode on YouTube, don't worry. We will have some clips uploaded there throughout the week. And you can also check out some clips on TikTok that we will be posting at GTD underscore sports. So, yeah, that'll do it for this week's episode. Same time, same place next week. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. All right. Thanks, guys.